Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of globalization, terrorism, and the Slender Man of the early 2000s. Osama Bin Laden, Made My Cousin an Alcoholic, was originally released on March 3rd, 2020, and is read by yours truly, with accompanying music by Kevin McLeod, Ross Bergen, and White Sand. The fight against terrorism begins at home, and the easiest way to deal a blow against political extremism, be it Islamic fundamentalism or Christo-fascism, is to travel to the ancient land of the iTunes store and leave a positive review for the cabinets of fever dreams. Make your country proud. They only win if we stay silent. With that said, kick back, relax, and get ready for some early 2000s horror. We meet in a Starbucks in downtown Bratislava. Not that it matters that we're in Slovakia, I'm pretty sure the crowd at Starbucks is pretty universal. There's at least three dudes who look like they're tapping away at a screenplay, a couple that is sending out the awkward vibes of a Tinder date, and a panicked teenager with oversized headphones and a stack of textbooks. I sip on some black coffee. As heartless as it sounds, I would rather be home in bed. When he enters, it takes him a second to notice me. The kid that I used to skip stones with by the river and obsessed about Transformers is gone and in a stead as a shell of a man. When his sunken eyes finally catch me, a weak hand is lifted. Yulo waves. A rush of pity washes through me. Aunt Veronica insists that I go meet up with him. You're a psychologist after all. I'm sure you can help him somehow. Thing is, I'm not a psychologist. Sure, I have a bachelor's in it, but who the hell does stuff related to their degree these days? I also haven't seen Yulo since I was like 14. It's not like we were good friends who could hash out things together. By the time we would meet, we were basically strangers. Yet family insisted, so I went. There's a bit of awkwardness around our meeting. I try to go in for a handshake, but Yulo pulls me in for a hug. His jacket smells like a hospital. He holds me like I'm a beacon in a raging sea. It's good to see you. He finally lets go. His face is so poorly shaven, he looks like he has a skin condition. Likewise, we talk for a bit. Or, more accurately, I talk for a bit. Yula just stares at me as I try to touch on some sort of a nerve that would get him to talk. Politics? Movies? Sports? I fish around for some form of small talk before we get to the ugly stuff. But Yula just keeps his tired eyes strained on me. Alright, well, Aunt Veronica thought it would be a good idea for us to meet and talk about... I try to will the words out of thin air. But they don't come. My drinking, he finally says. Yeah, how was detox, I ask, plunging into uncomfortable territory. Feeling any better now? Yulo takes a deep breath and looks around the room. As his gaze travels around the Starbucks, he rests on the exit. He drags his attention back to me. It was good while I was there, he... Yulo does another scan of the Starbucks, as if he was looking for someone. Look... If I tell you something, do you promise that you won't think I'm crazy? Depending on what it is, I say, flashing a grin. Yulo doesn't smile back. He looks deathly serious. Yeah, okay. Promise I won't think you're crazy. I, I know Aunt Veronica sent you to talk to me. I'm sorry you're getting dragged into this. If you don't want to talk about it, we can just both tell her we had a nice meeting and call it a day. I don't want to trouble you with my problems. You and me used to argue about whether Transformers were real when we were kids. I subscribed to the belief that the Americans had them and would use them in wars. Yulo was more reasonable, but he would still debate me long into the night. Past the gaunt face, I saw someone who used to be just like a brother to me. I promise I won't think you're crazy, Yulo. Yulo sighs. I... I... I drink because of Osama Bin Laden. 
and take this in, trying my best not to move my face at all. The September 11th guy? I finally ask, trying to take a calm sip of my coffee. Yule nods. He scans the room again, as if making sure that Bin Laden isn't there with us. The Americans killed him in 2010, I think, I finally say, but this doesn't cheer him up in the least bit. Yulo keeps his exhausted eyes on me and shakes his head. We spent most of our summers in a cottage in rural Slovakia. Yulo and me would get to run around the woods and have bonfires whilst our parents would get a chance to hide away from the pesky cell phones that the late 90s had brought. If there ever was a need to make a phone call, you would have to run up the nearest hill to get even a bar of reception. Our only tie to the outside world was the evening news. The Slovakian evening news of the early 2000s didn't make for good entertainment for kids. There were talks of corruption and economic woes from people in drab suits, but there was nothing that would grab our attention. Yet at the end of every local news day, international politics would be given a spotlight. Both Yule and me would gape with fascination at all the American soldiers on the screen. I wondered when Optimus Prime would make it to Afghanistan. We watched the war on terror unravel with fascination. It all felt like a gritty television show. Then one night, Yula woke up screaming. He's not dead, Yula finally says. Do you remember when I told you that I saw him as a kid? I nod. I do. The entire family woke up to Yulo screaming in the middle of the night. The bad man from the television was after him. I teased him about it relentlessly. You actually saw him that night? Yes, Yulo says. I was trying to fall asleep when all of a sudden I heard someone breathing by the side of my bed. I, I tried to ignore it. I tried to wish it away, but I couldn't avoid the sound. I knew there was someone there. Yulo paused to look around the coffee shop one more time. The tender couple had split. A disappointed dude with a goatee sat where a relationship could have blossomed. When I tried to see what was making the sound, I saw him. I... I saw Osama Bin Laden. I started screaming and he disappeared. Everyone told me that I just had an overactive imagination. There was no reason why the leader of a terrorist organization would be sneaking up on a little boy in Central Europe. Everyone told me he was a bad dream. But the next night he appeared again. It's almost like I knew I would see him. As soon as the lights were off and I was in bed, I could hear the sound of him trying to stand still by the foot of my bed. I pulled a blanket over my head and hoped that he would just leave me alone, that he would get bored and get out of Slovakia and go back to Afghanistan or wherever he was hiding. But after a couple of minutes, he started to tuck at my blanket. I tried to hold it down, to not let him pull the covers away, but the stronger I held the covers, the more he pulled. I struggled with him for a bit, but I was a child and he was... Yulo sighs. Takes a lot out of him to say the name. I was a child. And he was Osama Bin Laden. As soon as he ripped away the blanket, he put his hand on my mouth. I tried to yell, but his hand smelled like gasoline. He held me down and stared at me. Even in the dark, I could see how angry he was. He spoke to me. Yulo's eyes drift to the floor. He goes silent. What did he say? I ask, trying to put up my best impression of a therapist. Cruel things. He said that he would hurt me, and my mom, and my dad, and everyone I cared about. He kept on repeating, Death to the West. As if I... The door to the Starbucks opens. The shock nearly sends Yulo tumbling to the floor, but when he looks towards the entrance, he calms. It isn't Bin Laden. It's two teenage girls discussing high school drama in Slovak glitch. He waits for them to get their orders before he continues his story. He kept on coming every night. Every night he would scream at me, holding my mouth shut. 
I would spend the whole night sleepless, go through a horrible day, only to lay down to be kept awake. At the end of the summer, when we went back to the city, I hoped that he would stay behind. But he didn't. Whenever I would sleep, whenever I would sleep, he would be there. If I would fall asleep, he would shake me awake. He would shake me awake and scream in my face. Death to the West! Death to the West! He just kept on repeating it. I couldn't focus. I couldn't get any rest and then... Uncle Martin died. We didn't know Uncle Martin, but we were dragged to the funeral regardless. Two kids. One bored out of his mind and one sleep deprived. We made for an odd couple. Slovakian funerals are bad places to leave children unattended. As the night dragged on and got drunker, we found a table covered in vodka shots. I was curious. Yudo followed my lead. I remember the funeral, I said. The whole family did. This was the beginning of the cautionary tale of Yulo that would be told to kids for generations. He was the kid that got drunk at a funeral. The kid that wouldn't be allowed into a household that wasn't dry. The kid that ended up in a reform school. The night we got drunk was the first night I went to sleep since I met Bin Laden. I didn't even think about him. I just woke up the next day well rested. I was so hungover, my head hurt and I wanted to puke, but... I had actually slept. I thought that maybe he left for good, but... Yula trails off. His eyes start to tear up. The next night I went through my mom's liquor cabinet. You know the rest. I'm sure you heard the stories about me going drunk to school and getting arrested and all the other stuff the family talks about in hushed voices. He leaves me when I'm in trouble. When I was in lockup, when I was in detox, I could sleep. Oh, that's good. I say. This rubs you all the wrong way. His eyes flood with both anger and tears. No! He slams the table. I don't want to spend my life in hospitals or getting locked up or getting drunk. I want to have a job and friends and hobbies and... Almost all of Starbucks is looking at us, with the exception of one of the pen monkeys who is furiously tapping in his laptop. Sorry, Yula whispers. I search for a way to formulate my question in a polite way, but I end up just saying it. Yulo, what do your therapists say about this? As soon as the words leave my mouth, I feel bad. I try to backtrack. Because, you know, this is some pretty intense stuff. I'm not really sure what to say about it. I don't speak about him, he says, wiping away his tears. I told the first doctor that I got sent to. The guy wrote it down in his notepad, but didn't bring Bin Laden up again. He just kept on asking if there's anything else in my home that is making me drink. Telling the doctor also made Osama angry. Very angry. When I went to sleep that night, I expected him to come, but I didn't expect him to be so angry. He grabbed me by my shoulder, shoved his beer in my mouth, and shook me all night long. I still remember his high-pitched shrieks. Death to the West! Do not tell anyone! Death to the West! You will doom everyone you tell! His impression of Bin Laden sent a chill down my spine. Did you tell the doctor about that? I never got brought to that doctor again. I had one session and then got assigned to someone else. Apparently my first doctor decided to quit. Bin Laden was so furious that night I talked about him that I didn't want to risk telling another person. Yul's eyes glaze over again. I haven't told anyone since. Until now. He breathes out and starts crying again. I get up and give him a hug. All of a sudden it feels like we're kids again, like we're walking out of the first Pokemon movie and I'm consoling Yulo after the wild emotional ride. 
who was oversensitive as a kid and he's oversensitive now. I hold him tight like he's my little cousin. We have the full attention of the Starbucks, but the opinions of those people bounce off of us. We're family. Thanks, man. He finally says as he sits down. He looks relieved, even happy. God, it feels good to get that off my chest. I feel like a new person now. Anytime, cousin. If you see him again, just tell him he's dead and you don't negotiate with ghost terrorists. Yola freezes for a bit. And I almost start regretting making the joke, but he soon breaks into a smile. The smile turns into a giggle and the giggle into a roaring laugh. Soon we're both cackling, red in the face, slapping the table. Laughing the same way we would if one of us made a fart joke when we were seven. We get asked to leave the Starbucks. I shut off the lights and climb into bed. It's been a long day. After Yula got his Osama bin Laden-shaped cross off his back, he was in much better spirits. We spent the whole afternoon roaming around the places where we would hang out as kids, talking about all the silly stuff we believed when we were younger. By the time we got to the age-old debate about Transformers, Yula was back to his old self. Animated, enthusiastic about life, he even talked about picking up the drawing habit he had let go of two decades ago. We made plans to meet up again next week. I started to drift off to sleep. The blanket of childhood nostalgia keeping me nice and warm, but as my head starts to get light with dreams, I hear it. The sound of someone trying to stand still next to my bed. I try to tell myself it's nothing, but a cocktail of curiosity and fear makes me turn around. His hand clasps over my mouth. In one quick motion, he plants his knees on top of me and holds me down in my bed. I try to resist, but his weight refuses to let me move. All the lights are off, but the moonlight paints a harrowing picture. Towering over me, straight out of an old news broadcast, is Osama Bin Laden. Death to the West. Do not tell anyone you see me. Death to the West. I will doom everyone you tell. Death to the West. Do not speak of me. Death to the West. He maniacally rocks back and forth on top of my chest, making it nearly impossible to breathe. With one hand, he stifles my screams whilst he shakes me with the other. As he screams, spittle flies from his mouth, his hands reek of gasoline, the night crawls, each second feels like a lifetime. But it comes to an end. I've called in sick to work. There's no way that I could go from an assault by a dead terrorist to spending eight hours in the office. Even as I write this, I am still shaken. I spent the whole morning trying to figure out what to do and, with the help of some liquid courage, I have made the decision. I told Yulo he shouldn't negotiate with dead terrorists. I'll follow my own advice. I'm not sure whether writing this story on the internet counts as me telling someone else, but I wonder what Bin Laden will have to say about that. I have a feeling. I'll find out tonight. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, and Bob Kondurk. If you'd like to join these fine people and support the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Mike J. Langer. That is all for tonight. See you all on Tuesday with the story entitled Karen Thinks I Stole Her Camera, read by the majestic Quaylon O'Neill Ford. <laughs>